On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the second edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we'll head up to the top end and catch up with NT women's football guru Jess Sullivan ahead of the grand final this Saturday. We speak with the new president of the Melbourne Uni Muggers in Laura Kane. And Matt Cox catches up with Sunbury Ruck, Nat East. All that plus a quick look at state versus state footy coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. G'day, I'm Peter Holton and welcome to the second edition of our podcast. Uh, a quick shout out to the crew at girlsplayfooty.com for hosting this. And while you're there at girlsplayfooty.com, make sure you check out the article by Katie Lembeski on Craig Starsevich, of course, who's the new uh, Western Bulldogs women's coach. That's all at girlsplayfooty.com. Let's get straight into it. Our first interview is with a women's footy guru of the Northern Territory, Jess Sullivan. She used to work for AFL-NT. She's been keeping an eye on things throughout season 2014-2015. Unlike the rest of Australia, of course, they play during the summer. And the grand final is coming up between the Waratahs and the Razorbacks this weekend. And Jess, uh, as we look forward to this weekend, NT women's footy must be going great guns at the moment. I believe the competition's uh, extended in size. And as well, uh, you had Sissy Dunn last year playing for Melbourne. Yeah, it has. It's just been massive the last couple of years. We've had the competition grow from, I think, four teams probably only about four years ago and we've now got eight in the competition and eight in our youth girls um, and the standard just, just improves every year. This year we've had the most even competition I've ever heard of basically. Just, um, yeah, some lower lower teams really improving, some higher ones um, possibly losing some of their players and evening the comp out a little bit. Um, but yeah, that standard's just improved across the board and obviously down in Alice as well. Sissy's just a, an incredibly talented player. I've been lucky enough to play with her a couple of times and yeah, she's just a standout no matter what stage she plays on. So let's have a look at so far the season. We have the grand final coming up uh, this Saturday. Each competition seems to have its dominant side. If you go to Victoria, you've got the Darabin Falcons that are easily top of the table. For years, it's been the Titans over in uh, WA. And this year, Waratah, uh, 18 and zip. Yeah, well, they've, um, they've been the dominant team in the competition probably the last four years. I think they've won the last three premierships in a row. Um, but this year they've um, they've probably haven't looked quite as dangerous as they have in previous years. They haven't lost a game, but they've um, they've been very close in a few of them. They uh, only beat Tracy Village by two points in one game, and just got over St Mary's by less than ten in another game, I think. So um, yeah, they are looking like they possibly aren't quite as strong as they have been in previous years. And we talk about Tracy Village, the Razorbacks, who I've been told have been also nicknamed the Bushpigs. Um, they're taking on the Warriors. They met earlier in the semi-final a couple of weeks ago. It was only 10 points the difference back then. What do you think is the difference between these two sides? And if you're trying to stop Waratah, who do you have to shut down? Um, oh, where do you start? They've, um, they've got their little Tiwi Islanders, the two Puruntatamiri girls, Halima and um, Daryl, and they're, they're obviously extremely hard to stop, especially if you haven't got any Tiwi Islanders of your own. Um, you've got Lisa Roberts running through the midfield, Belle Bentley in the back line, Shannon Miller in the ruck, Ange Foley on ball, um, and then you've got Sue Nowder and Abby Holmes up forward, so it is a, a very strong team. But um, I've actually said to a few people this year that I think probably the only difference between Tarzan and Tracy Village at the moment is the mentality. Um, I was watching their game, that, that semi-final, and just was really even all through the first half. Third quarter, a couple of calls didn't go their way, and, um, and you could just feel the momentum change straight away. 
they just dropped their heads a bit and, um, yeah, the game was lost from there. But, um, yeah, I think that they've possibly still just got some, uh, a bit of a hoodoo with Waratahs. I think most of the teams have experienced it over the last four years. You just go out and in some games you just expect to lose against them because they have been so strong. And I, I think Tracy Billings possibly haven't quite overcome that yet. But, um, yeah, hopefully they can and we can get a really good game this weekend. Yeah, and they've got some experience there, Tracy Village, as well. Their, their captain, Sharona Bishop, uh, former Norban's player. Um, who has to stand up for Tracy Village if they had to knock off the Waratah? Who are you expecting a big game out of? Well, yeah, Sharona, obviously the captain. She's um, she's an outstanding player, probably the best uh, football brain in the competition. She just reads the ball so well. Uh, they've got Sally Riley also, who... Um, She's a Victorian import, I think, and she's she's just an outstanding player. She's been quite uh, quiet the last two games in the finals, so I'd be really hoping for her to stand up this game and, and have a bit of an impact. Um, Hannah Graham up forward, she's really dominant for them when she's on. She's got really good hands and she's got massive height in the forward line. There's not many people who can match up on her just because of that height. Um, and then they've got Alicia Stanley, who sort of complements Hannah in the forward line. Um, and Alicia Shepherd in the back line, she's been really strong for them. So, yeah, hopefully she can knuckle down there. Uh, we, we spoke to Sissy Dunn uh, last year uh, prior to the uh, Melbourne versus Bulldogs game and um, she talked about the uh, talked about NT footy and, and how it's different. Obviously, you've got at the moment, you know, going through the summer and the wet season for NT, you've got the 2014-2015 premiership season. But in Alice Springs, um, obviously, their season is about to kick off. So how does NT football balance that with, with, with the two leagues going at different stages of the year? Um. It doesn't really cause too many issues for us. It's it's actually kind of a drawing um, drawing card of the the NT footy system, so that we get people um, men men mainly in the Premier League coming up from um, Alice Springs to play in the the Darwin League and the NTFL and um, and vice versa sometimes as well. And we've got a yeah a couple of girls like Sissy's played. I think she only played a couple of games this season, but it, yeah, it is really good in getting that experience sort of transferring between the two leagues and there's obviously a lot of communication between the the officers in both of them to make sure that we're getting an even spread of talent from the top end in Central Australia as well. You were mentioning about some of the uh, players in the Waratah and Tracy Village side, some of their standout players, but who out from the comp- who else of the competition has stood out and possibly could be throwing their name up for selection for the NT side who are playing a, a state game against a South Australia, I believe, coming up in May? Yeah, well, just about every side's got a couple that, um, that are standouts and I'd hope to see included in that team. We've got uh, Maddie Smith from Wanderers who kicked over 50 goals this season. She's a, she's a Tasmanian import and a really strong player. Um, she's actually she actually played in the Demons vs. the first Demons vs. Bulldogs game two years ago as a 17-year-old, I think. So, um, yeah, I'd expect to see her name in there. Lauren Motlop for Wanderers also. She's, uh, she's just an outstanding player every week. Um, young Alana Coombs from St Mary's she's only 17 years old but she won their best and fairest she, she's been really good on ball for them all season Sean Mitchell also from St Mary's plays off half forward but she can also push up the field and yeah she's just got some really freakish skills and probably one of the biggest kicks in the comp um, Letitia Jeffries a class player from Palmerston as well as Jess Darcy she's a TV Islander and uh, Mikey Brown who won the women's best and fairest last year Districts, probably, um, Southern Districts, that is. They're, they've got a lot of rugby girls, a lot of inexperienced girls, but there's a couple, probably uh, Morgan Johnston and Jesse Stevens, who are, who've run really well, mostly through the midfield and, and also drifting up down back for, for Morgan. Um, 
Shay Warburton for the Buffaloes. She's uh, she captained the All Australian Indigenous Girls, the Warmers over in New Zealand, and she's a she's another class act. She's she can kick bags of goals and she can drift up forward as well. Um, I'm sorry, up to the midfield as well. Plays plays in the ruck or as a rover. Um, they've got a couple of strong backs as well. Emma Collinson and Delcy R. Wang, who played their hundredth games both on the the same week this season. Um, and Nightcliff Tigers, they're probably one of the the less experienced teams in the comp as well. But they've got some good run for the midfield in Jess Stinson and Cassie Henderson, who I'd reckon may get a run in the NT side as well. More importantly, uh, hopefully a ripping game between Waratah and Tracy Village uh, coming up this Saturday, 4, uh, 15 local time, 5.45 in the Eastern States, which I've been told is uh, being streamed online. Yeah, it is at, um, at AFLNT TV, so you can go to the, the AFLNT website at aflnt.com.au and there's a link for it on there, so yeah, you can jump on and watch it live on, online. And we thank Jess Sullivan uh, from the Northern Territory for giving us a lowdown on the uh, upcoming grand final. And, of course, a reminder, it's on the AFL-NT website, 4.15pm local time, Eastern time, 5.45pm. They'll have the link there to which you can watch the stream of that grand final. Check out NT Women's Footy. Uh, the Northern Territory, as I mentioned earlier, will be taking on South Australia in the state versus state match. Uh, that'll be held over the weekend of the 15th to 17th of May in Darwin. Uh, and if you're an SA women's footballer that would like to play in that state game. Trials are underway. All the details you need to know are on sawfl.org.au. And when you go there, you'll be able to see the fixtures as well for Open Women's Division 1 and Open Women's Division 2, which will be beginning on the Anzac weekend, round 1, 24th, 26th of April. Grand finals this year being held on Sunday, the 13th of September. Now, time to head back to Victoria. And we thought we'd bring up two interviews uh, for you about a club that's uh, been going very strong during the off-season and another one which has had its battles but will be out there on the park for season 2015. The first club I mentioned about that's just had a, an off-season that's been flying for them, a, a new under-13 girls side. They'll be fielding once again a youth girls and three senior women's sides. It's the Melbourne University Women's Football Club, the Melbourne Uni Muggers. They've also had a bit of change during the off-season where I think around about half a dozen committee members have uh, turned over. So Laura Kane, the new president, thanks very much for joining us. And uh, things mean uh, moving along smoothly since uh, quite a large number of committee members changed over during the off-season. Yes, we did. We, we had a big change um, towards the end of last year for various reasons. Um, our president had to head off for work into state, um, so there was an availability there, and I took the opportunity um, to, to get myself involved in the committee. Um, we had a number of changes at the club, coaches, and, and a whole heap of new players. Um, so it's a really, really good time, and what's happening at, at Melbourne Uni. Let's uh, have a look at some of the initiatives that uh, you've got going. Uh, first of all, teaming up with another club. You're starting up an under-13s uh, side with Flemington. Uh, how did that relationship come about? Yeah, so it was really just in, in communication with the Flemington Junior Football Club. Um, they you know, are, are passionate supporters of, of girls and women playing football. Um, so together we started up a, um, the Flemington Muggers, and that's a competition or a team that will be entering into a competition for girls aged 10 to 13 years old. Um, so we're really proud of that initiative um, because it, it sort of completes our, our pathway. We, we have a partnership with North Melbourne Olds down Arden Street, um, and that's for obviously the, the younger girls. And now we have the Flemington Muggers, so between 10 and 13 they can play there. Um, and then move into our youth girls side and on seniors. So we're, we're quite proud that we have a pathway for girls to play football. 
um, from age four to 40, so life. Um, so it, it's really exciting, um, and, and there's a lot of sort of hype and excitement um, gearing up for, for that team to, to hit, the, hit the ground running. You're going into another season with uh, three sides, uh, I believe one in uh, uh, Division, uh, Premier Division, obviously, then Division One. I think the other side's coming up. Is it uh, Division Four Development League for the uh, third side? Yeah, Division 4 is our, is our third senior side. Um, the AFL um, bumps us up to the Division 4, and I, I believe that Division 5 is sort of a, a competition now solely for new clubs entering entering women's football, which is great. Um, but we're really excited. There's been a bit of a, a shift in, in some clubs, and the Division 1 competition is quite a large competition now. So it's exciting that we'll be playing new teams and, and other clubs are you know, improving and, and being competitive at that level. So, so we will have three teams across those divisions. Uh, what do you think about the inner city area just being a hub of women's football at the moment? If you have a look, you've got three sides. The Brunswick Renegades have, have popped up. They're, they're only a K away and they've got uh, a side now. In fact, the side was filled last year. And now you've got, uh, to the other side of you, you've got over at Brunswick Street, you've got Fitzroy teaming up with the Australian Catholic University to field a side. How come the inner city's become this hub of women's football? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's an amazing um, thing that in metropolitan Melbourne and particularly in the inner city, um, women's football is booming. Um, it's a credit to, you know, the, the people who work at AFL Victoria, the DWFL um, and, and um, through the Youth Girls programs and I think particularly through the Youth Girls program, um, you know, run by Shiloh Curtis, there's been so much exposure um, of women's football in this area and as such, that's led to, to many clubs, you know, uh, it's really big clubs in the inner city um, looking towards girls and women playing football and, and starting these, these teams up. So it is really great and we're really glad to be a part of it. Um, you know, any, any women's football is good football. And what do you think, if I have a look, at, for example, yourself uh, with three sides, St Kilda's entering three sides this year, uh, what is it between you two clubs that make you successful that's able to pull in the women's footballers when I guess you compare it to, let's say, some of the outer suburbs where Sunbury was struggling for numbers this year, uh, Wyndham Bale, who won the Division Three flag, uh, didn't have enough numbers and folded uh, their senior side this year. So, so what do you think it's between, for Melbourne Uni and St Kilda, the, the clubs that just seem to attract these players and, and attract strong numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a whole raft of, of things. I mean, for us, um, being, um, you know, obviously the Melbourne University Women's Football Club, we often um, have a number of students from the university. Um, it, it is a community club as, as such, but we do have a really strong um, intake of, of players coming from the university, and I guess that can be for a wide variety of reasons. They can move from rural Victoria and, and the outer suburbs that live in the city and study and work in the city. So I guess for them, it's, it's convenient. Um, but I also think that, that people, uh, women and girls, are attracted to um, the sort of high-performance nature that we have down at, at Melbourne Uni and, and the coaches that we have and the program that we, we run. Um, I think that definitely uh, attracts players and, you know, that's something that um, out of suburbs, suburban clubs can, can strive towards and, and I think it's really good that there are certain clubs in, in the competition that are leading the way in that sense. 
Let's talk about sponsors. Uh, you managed to get uh, a couple of new ones this year. Uh, first of all being Hocking, Stewart, Carlton, Brunswick, Northcote and uh, the Leveson as your uh, official venue. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we look at last year. Um, most of the uh, girls running around in the first year was operated by AFL Victoria with, with no sponsors on their jumpers and you compare to men's clubs when they've got sponsors on the jumpers, you look at their polos, they've got about 100 names on the back. Um, mm-hmm. so, so what has been the turnaround in the last six months, at least for Melbourne Uni, to be able to track sponsors of the likes of Hocking Stewart? Yeah, so, I mean, that was a, a really big focus of our um, new committee and the new sort of uh, direction that we're all moving in. Um, the, like you said, um, boys and men's clubs often have high interest from different organisations and companies uh, around the place that are, are interested in attaching their brand to, to football clubs and um, it shouldn't be any different for women. Um, so we were really pleased when we contacted Hawking Stewart um, for, for this sponsorship and, and they jumped right on board and they're on board for our, our jump as our major jumping sponsor for the next two years. Um, and they, you know, are offering us continued support with, with referrals and it's a mutually beneficial arrangement. So I think that it, it, it's not that it's women's football that, that hasn't um, or can't attract these kinds of um, big sponsors and big companies. Um, I think it's just that if the proposal's right for an organisation, it, it's mutually beneficial and, and they get exposure and, and we get support and it sort of um, can be a, a really fruitful relationship. But um, it, it's fantastic that we can have these kinds of companies um, as examples of, of big companies that will support women's football and, and want to into the future. Um, and so we're really excited with that. I mean, the, the Leveson is a, a football institution, I guess, that the people who, um, in, in the old day and, and similar, um, always talk about the Leveson now as somewhere that they that they loved 10 years ago and 15 years ago. Um, and so we're really happy that, that we can be training at Ard's Street two nights a week and, and pop over to the Leveson for dinner after. So it's just about um, you know, going out there and contacting these people and contacting different companies and organisations. And there's plenty of people that, that want to support women's football. Um, sometimes you can get to ask. As we've talked about sponsorship and, of course, uh, people supporting your club, we've got three sides out there, but, of course, you need a bunch of volunteers. Just to give the people at home an idea, how many volunteers on a particular Sunday do you need, even if you just left the youth girls aside, to to run those three sides uh, week in, week out? Yeah, good question. So it's always a, a difficulty. All clubs, I guess, would agree with me and, and presidents and similar would, would understand the, the difficulty in getting volunteers for every role. But, I mean, we we um, sort of rely on our players to give back to the club. Um, and we also have a, a handful of volunteers that are consistently there at, at training and at games. Um, and they're a massive help for us. But, I mean, we, we need support from the players and their families and friends um, to help with, with all the different roles, whether it be filling up water bottles or, you know, um, pumping up the footy or whatever it may be. Um, there's so many things that, that make a football, that need to, to be there to make a football club run and um, we, we would be lost without our volunteers and, and different people at the club that are around all the time. So um, it is a, a massive help and, and I know the committee, you know, there's, there's 10 or so of us and um, we can't do it all ourselves. So we, we do look back to, to um, the players to assist us. And just before we let you go, just touching quickly on your Premier Division side, you've got a new coach in uh, Andrew Jago. Can you tell us a little about him and has there been any notable recruits you've managed to pick up during the off-season? 
Yeah, so um, we were thrilled to, to have Andrew Jago join the Melbourne Uni Women's Football Club. Um, he's a level three AFL um, accredited coach, so he has exposure to high-performance coaching and coming over from um, the Calder Cannons as their head coach. It's a, it's a really good thing for women's football to, to be developing, um, you know, as a, as a whole, but also for other clubs and, and players to realise that really, really um, experienced coaches want to be in, in the women's football environment. So, so that was great. Um, in terms of recruits, uh, I mean, my job is the business side of things, I guess, so you'd, you'd probably have to speak with, with Andrew, but I know that um, we've had a number of new players and a number of new um, people sign up to basically at Melbourne Uni. Um, so it's a whole variety of different avenues, one being O-Week, so that's actually the last day is tomorrow um, at Melbourne Uni, so their orientation week we, we, we advertise our club and um, you know, we've had 20 or 30 odd new girls join um, who have just you know, started, started at Melbourne Uni as students. So um, there's no sort of shortage of, of girls and women wanting to play football, which is great, um, and we hope that we can attract um, you know, really good players and, and players that want to spend their, their entire football careers playing at Melbourne Uni, um, you know, based on the, the high-performance nature of what, what our program has to offer and, and what we're hoping to achieve in the future. And we thank Laura Kane very much for her time and uh, wish the Melbourne Uni Women's Football Club all the best in season 2015. We mentioned that was a club that was going strong, a club that was finding it tough over the off-season with the Sunbury Women's Football Club. Now, for Sunbury, they've had success in the past in the old structure of uh, North West Division uh, in the Victorian Women's Football League. That was all changed last year to Premier and then Divisions 1, 2, 3, 4 and 5 respectively. Sunbury played in Division 2. We're going okay in fourth and then all of a sudden uh, injuries and uh, uh, girls being away and uh, what could go wrong did go wrong for them and they missed out on the top four there was a worry if they were going to survive during the off season if that they had enough numbers of players but more importantly be able to get enough numbers onto the committee to actually run the club no doubt there would have been a few grey hairs but the good news is they will return in season 2015 a bet will be playing in a lower division most likely in the development league and Matty Cox who called a couple of the VWFL Grand Finals last year, caught up with that Nat East a few weeks ago on his program, Coxie's Couch, which airs on Wednesday afternoons on NRG FM in Sunbury. And uh, he kicked off by asking how it had been for the players during the off-season of the Sunbury Women's Football Club. Um, it, it's honestly been a little bit a little bit tough. Um, being someone that's been associated with the club for a few years now and knowing how wonderful it is um, to think that there was a possibility that maybe we weren't going to continue into 2015 was pretty disheartening. But you know, it's fantastic that some people have stepped up and are pretty determined to, to make this club work um, and continue on into the future. So it's yeah, it's pretty exciting that we're, we're going to press on for another season. It does take uh, until the 11th hour to, to see some uh, heroics, I suppose you could call it. People step up in, into roles that they probably don't really have the time for, but uh, for the benefit of all those people involved, they're uh, willing to, to put their hand up and, and sacrifice a bit of time to, to help out a club that's in a, in a, in a growing competition. Yeah, and it, it is the, you know, the people who are the heart of the team that have uh, stepped up and, and put their hand up to, to make sure that things carry on with the um, the Sunbury Lions, which is fantastic, and you know it's encouraged a lot of us to to press on and, and get behind the club and make sure that things continue. Yeah, being such a, a long player with the club, uh, would you, you look to have played somewhere else this year if the club had folded? Yeah, like I, I love playing football, so it, it was definitely. 
definitely a thought of mine. Um, I I had honestly investigated other options to, you know, because I didn't want to, to stop playing, but I thought there was a possibility that Sunbury may not be around, but it's fantastic that that's still, uh, still flourishing and I'm, I'm really happy to, to not have to worry about that. And to, to be a part of what has been a, a pretty successful club, apart from last year, finished fifth uh, in Division 2 of the VWFL. It was only the second time in the history of the club that it finished outside of the, the finals. How did you rate the season? Yeah, it was it was good. We've had a, a tough couple of seasons um, just with injuries and things. So we we have a really good group of uh, really good group of players and there's a lot of skill within our team, but we've just struggled for numbers um, over the last couple of seasons and as the season goes on and you know people can't commit to the entire season and so they go away on holidays or you get a few injuries and things start to get a little bit tough and that's what happened last year. So we started off really well and everything looked really promising but if you if you get a few of your, your key players who are out with injury then it makes things a little bit tough. So I was happy with the season last year but it would it would be good to, you know, have a few extra people around so you can uh, you know, string those last few games together and, and make the final. And I believe you'd uh, like a second ruckman around because my understanding is you rucked all game, every game last uh, season. How on earth did you do that? Look, I, I think I, I, I did have a little bit of support. We do have um, a few... Like we we are a very short team, so I'm only 5 foot 11 myself, so I'm not very tall, but I, I managed to, to get into the ruck, and we have a couple of other players, Lisa Kirby and Brooke Surgeon, who, again, they're not very tall, but they, they can jump pretty high, so they helped me out a little bit. But it's um, a lot of people that I speak to say that they think that the ruck is a terrible, terrible position to play in. But I would hate to play anywhere else. I think it's great, so it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> That's great, great to hear. Of course, uh, you're pretty pivotal too. You've got a, a, an important role. Uh, I was reading a little earlier that uh, your coach said you developed a lot through through the season uh, in terms of uh, tactics and, and you know, your game experience as, as well. Uh, did you see a, an improvement from the start of the season to the end of the season in your own form? Yeah, I did. But I, I think that if you're if you're a good ruckman, it's the, the people that are around you as well. So. It always looks good when you can get the ball out of the centre. So it's you know it's easy for me to tap the ball, but if you don't have decent midfielders that can take it out, then you know, it's it's not going to work. So we've we've got some really really good players um, all over the ground, but particularly in the uh, the midfield. So that definitely helps a lot. And one of those players that uh, will definitely be helping in terms of mentoring and, and leading the club is Natasha Hardy. She's a two-time league best and fairest and uh, it was last year the winner of the Melbourne FC VWFL Player of the Year Award. Uh, how is it to play alongside someone who not only plays extremely well on the field but also gives a lot uh, off the field as well and helps players to improve? Yeah, it's great and I think Natasha, throughout her entire footballing career has, has shown passion towards Sunbury and you know like it's it's always a pleasure playing with her you know she, she does it like the, the accolades that she's got she I think is pretty not embarrassed by them but she's she's pretty quiet about them but I think that you know the skill that she has she's developed a long way and she she mentors the people around her and and she, she deserves what, uh, the achievements that she's got. So after all the waiting in the last few months, you are back out on the park in 2015. What's the goal for this season? Do you expect to make finals uh, again, or is it just more of a, a learning year with uh, so many young players coming into the side? I think it's more of just, a, you know, like 
building things up and, and getting back to basics and having fun. And you know, that, that's what drives me to play football. So I'm, I'm not in it to, to win premierships or to win awards or anything like that. It's just really great to, to get out there and have a run around during the week when you often wouldn't be doing anything because it's a little bit cold outside. So it, it motivates you to, to get out and have a run. And, you know, it's, it's a really fun environment. And I, I never saw football as a sport that, that I would be interested in. Um, and I, I gave it a go and it, it's been wonderful since. So I think that the main aim for, for most of us around the club is just to get out there and for a little bit of fitness and to have a good time. And, and how did you go about joining? Or how did you find out firstly about the club and, and finding out that you really wanted to play football? Um, I have a few friends that, that play and that's what took me to Sunbury was I, I already knew a few of the girls and I never really, as I said, had the desire to play and I used to just go along and, and spectate and run water for them. Um, contact sport has never been a strong point of mine, so I actually got thrown into the game just because they were struggling for a ruckman. As I said, they're all pretty short, so uh, there was a game where they didn't have anybody that could fill that position, so I said that I'd give it a go and a little bit of hesitation got out there and I haven't looked back since, so I think I'm into my, um, my fifth season now, so... No, that's a, an incredible effort for for someone that's not come off the bench. They've come out off the uh, the water bottles to to go into the middle of the field. That that's an incredible effort. Look, I did rate myself as a pretty good water runner, but sometimes you've got to take the step up and uh, do something else to go. <laughs> well, that that's it. And for, for for people out there, because I know that the team is back on the park, but you are still looking for for people to get involved, and the the player availability is still an issue with the club. So you are looking for numbers. What's the best way for for people to to get involved? Um, there's the, we have a Facebook page, so Sunbury Lions Women's Football Club is uh, is our Facebook page where you can find contact details. Um, Christy Dudley at the moment is is really driving a lot of things for the club and and trying to get a lot of players. So I can provide you with her email address and, and we can we can pass that on but I think Facebook is the, the best at the moment. Um, we have training every Wednesday evening from 6.30 at Clark, uh, Clark Oval so if anybody wanted to, to come down and give it a go they don't need to let us know, they can literally just show up so it's um, yeah, it, as I said it's just a lot of fun it's, a, it's an easy way to get fit if that's what you're looking for if you're incredibly unfit and you don't think that you can play football Don't have to be, you know, the Gary Ablett of, of footy. You can be of any skill, any quality, and, and go on down and, and uh, play a part. And also, you're still looking for people for behind the scenes uh, roles as well. So there's another element if, if people want to get involved in a, at a club that's only going to move forward. And as I said, uh, as we started this chat, um, it is a growing competition. And I was lucky enough to catch a few games last year, and it's an incredibly high standard too. Yeah, it is. It is. There's a lot of skill in women's football, and I, I think a lot of people can't actually they they don't realise that until they see um, women play. And you know, some of the the higher divisions that would would match up to some of the best men's teams. 
in, in the state. So it's definitely a growing sport. And as you said, we are looking to, to fill a number of different positions at the club. So I think it's a great opportunity, even if you're a uni student and you're looking for um, some placement hours to fill, um, we, have, we have those available for, for trainers, for committee members. Um, it's a really good stepping stone if you're, if you're looking for a career or anything in um, in sports management or the sporting industry, then it would look really, really good on your resume to get involved in community sport. And a fun atmosphere too, by the sense of things, which would make it that even bit better. Yeah, and it, as I said, it is fantastic to just like the the people that I play football with have become my my best friends over the last few years. So that that's the most important thing that I've gotten out of football and. I think the, the rest of the team could agree with that. So if you are looking for a little bit of fun, um, a little bit of fitness, and you know, occasionally on the weekends we will have a, a, a drink or two after the game. So it is pretty pretty casual, pretty social, and a lot of fun. And thanks very much again to Sunbury Ruck, Nat East, and, of course, uh, Matthew Cox from Coxie's Couch on 99.3 NRGFM in Sunbury for allowing us to air that interview. And, of course, Coxie's Couch is on every Wednesday afternoon from 4 p.m. if you'd like to check it out on NRGFM. Uh, before I go, a little teaser about some interviews that we've got coming up in the next couple of weeks. We'll be catching up with Craig Starsevich, who, of course, is the new uh, women's coach for the Western Bulldogs. You you can uh, read an article about him by Katie Lambeski right now on the girlsplayfooty.com website. And we hope to be catching up with soon with the Australian Youth Girls Captain who uh, took on New Zealand last year and was recently named the Youth Girls Player of the Carnival in Victoria just a couple of weeks ago. That being Catherine Smith. Smitty will be catching up with hopefully soon in the upcoming podcasts here on girlsplayfooty.com. I'm Peter Holden. Until next time, thanks for your support and bye for now.